Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today's episode will look at the Army Engineer Corps Graduate Programme, also known within the service as the Engineer Cadetship. To discuss both the programme and the Engineer Corps itself, we welcome on to the show today Commandant Sharon McManus, Captain Brian Coughlin, and coming to us live from his pre-deployment quarantine as he gets ready to deploy to Syria with the United Nations Disengagement Observer Force, we welcome Lieutenant Donald Clare via Zoom. Thanks very much for coming on to the show, guys. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks very much, Keen. Um, so as as and I must get I must get used to this slight delay from Donald as well there. Uh, as I um, as I always do, I, I'm going to start with just a little bit of background information about you all and, and your careers today. So we might we might start with you, ma'am. So your your career today, where you're from, or how you how you got to where you are. Thank you. Um, so I'm in my 25th year in the Defence Forces um, and my 18th year in the Corps of Engineers. I joined the Army in 1996 um, and after my cadetship I decided to study civil engineering at NUI Galway. Um, thereafter I joined the Corps of Engineers and um, eventually um, I was looking at different areas in which I would like to specialise in terms of engineering. So I completed a Master's in Sustainable Energy Engineering in UCC and has focused um, on that area for a number of years, um, I suppose culminating in, in my work in, um, in the Director of Engineers in 2012 with um, the Defence Forces being accredited to uh, the International Energy Management Standard, ISO 50001. Um, not long after that, I got an opportunity to work in the European Defence Agency for a number of years, um, essentially leading the European Armed Forces Energy and Environmental Research Strategy. And most recently now, I've been working on um, a research technology and innovation feasibility study for the Defence Forces, and uh, I'm currently um, uh, getting ready to deploy overseas to Lebanon. Oh, wow. There's a there's a long there's a long and, and illustrious career there thus far, man. And what about yourself, Brian? Yeah, um, quite similar to Commandant McManus. I've 17 years service in the Defence Forces. The last 10 of which have been with the Corps of Engineers, and I also studied civil engineering in NUIG. And in 2020, I finished a master's in engineering management in UCD. Um, I suppose my career in the Corps of Engineers. I've served as a platoon commander in the Curra with the Defen- DFTC Engineer Group. I've served as an instructor in the School of Military Engineering. My most recent appointment is as a staff officer in the Engineer Branch of Defence Force Headquarters, where I look after combat engineering and overseas operations. Um, I have three overseas operations, uh, tours of duty, uh, one in the Golan Heights with the UNDOF, and two with Lebanon in Lebanon with UNIFIL mission. Oh, right. Fantastic. And we might hear a bit more about what combat engineering means a little bit later on in the, in the show. And, and what about yourself, Donald? Oh, you keen? Yeah, two hard acts to follow there. Um, I the army in 2017, um, having studied mechanical engineering in DIT, uh, finished there in 2016. Um, I suppose in, if we speak of the army engineer graduate program, uh, I'm coming to the end of that now, um, and I'm currently preparing for deployment on my first trip uh, to Syria, and that'll be coming up in in two weeks. Fantastic. Well, so you've a, you've a long career ahead as well to try and do do a lot of the very interesting things that are that, uh, that uh, our other interviewees have done before um but i suppose for people outside um who don't know and and like haven't even realized and a lot of people don't really realize that in the defense forces we have so many different specializations and so many different kind of things we can do like what does the engineer corps do for the defense forces and what are its various various kind of various areas the roles um well, I, I might take that one, Keen. Um, the the Defence Forces Corps of Engineers has a number of different roles, so um, I suppose they can be broadly split up into into different different sections. So, in the the conventional um, military sense, 
uh, our three main roles would be mobility, counter-mobility and survivability or force protection as we call it. And uh, that essentially means that the mobility side is ensuring that our troops on the ground can move forward at all times. So that includes things like clearing obstacles or, or minefields in certain conventional situations, uh, building bridges and lines of communication. Counter-mobility means impeding others' uh, mobility. Um, using explosive demolitions, for example. Um, and then I suppose our, 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 our main uh, bread and butter activity then is the survivability side of it, especially in the overseas context. So like Brian, I have um, three overseas trips, um, uh, one to Liberia, one to Kosovo and one to Chad previously. And a lot of that work was, was uh, focused on the survivability um, in the camp for the troops on the ground, which really means providing... Um, the the uh, physical protection for the camp, uh, providing uh, power generation, distribution, transmission, water purification, wastewater treatment, any infrastructural elements, and of course firefighting ability as well for protection. So that's um, a lot of the work we say overseas and in a conventional role. But here on island at home, we also do the. Um, I suppose, the, the, the civilian side of engineering. So we look after the facility management, um, the engineering and maintenance of all of our barracks, which essentially are like our campuses around the country. Um, and this includes project management, contract uh, tendering and management, uh, engineering design, and a really solutions-focused approach to, um, to the management of our campuses here in Ireland. And then I suppose our last, um, I suppose we have some cross-cutting activities as well, particularly in the sustainability area. So we have a very... Um, uh, substantive sustainability agenda, uh, a very ambitious um, energy management and renewable energy program for the defence forces, and um, a lot of, of of areas like that that would be quite cross cutting across the defence forces, but also would have a certain amount of societal impact. Wow, like there's a huge there's a huge amount to unpack there. I mean, I remember from my my own overseas trips, like the, the engineer firefighting platoons and the engineer you, the personnel over there. It seems like a very robust kind of job. There's a there's an awful lot, and, and obviously for, for enlisted personnel as well, there's the opportunity to do trades and there's the opportunity to, to provide, to have those opportunities as well. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it's a really key key part of, I suppose, all work in the Defence Forces, like, let's let's be honest, but particularly within the Engineer Corps, um, you definitely work as a team, and, and I'm not saying that in a cliched way at all, I mean, an engineer is not the expert in terms of the techni- technician's work and vice versa, and you really have to work um, as a team um, with that kind of solutions-focused um, approach to the challenges on the ground. Um, you know, and I suppose, like, practically speaking, when you find yourself in the middle of Africa, in the middle of Chad, and, you, you know, uh, you can't, you know, run down to a hardware store or get a part supplied within a number of days, you really have to innovate on the ground. And the only way you can do that is by using the team and by working together to, to find solutions to problems such as pumps breaking down and no water available for the camp. Like what are you going to do in that situation? So it's really interesting. It's really challenging, and um, um, yeah, it, it's 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 very fulfilling. You know, when you when you can, as, as I said, work as a team and find solutions in those situations. Yeah, and in a way that that outside of the defence forces, as an engineer, something that you would may not have the opportunity to do if you're in a more conventional civilian um, sphere. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um, it's very different, and I'm not sure if, if many engineers, and, and particularly graduate engineers, who are really, you know, I suppose speaking to today, um, understand the, the the breadth of the work that's available within the uh, within the defence forces, within the Corps of Engineers, um, and the types of challenges and I suppose exciting opportunities that are available for young engineers. You know, there, you don't have to go in- engineering in the standard routes um, into consultant engineering or um, into a, a into an industrial setting or onto site engineering. Like there is this whole other area um, of combat engineering and overseas um, humanitarian work as well, which is really interesting. 
fantastic. And with regard to sort of so to get into the actual graduate program itself, which which is a, which is a relatively new concept in the defence forces, and 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 a, so when it goes beyond what we would traditionally look at, just like recruit training and cadetship, this is this is a, a longer process. Can you give us a bit of an overview for somebody, and and, and to say as well, this this program is for someone that is coming out of college having completed some form of relevant degree. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is a very specifically, um, I suppose, curated program. It's called the Army Engineer Graduate Program. So we're really focusing on um, undergrads or, or graduates or graduates at the moment um, who can join the Defence Forces as an engineer cadet. So they can do a cadetship. Now, for, for, for people who don't understand what that is, a cadetship is an elite leadership program in this country. It is um, probably one of the only opportunities that you would get at that age to do leadership and management to that standard. Um, it's a 17-month program, um, which w- if you are successful in, in, in finishing that program, you then, um, you, you then as, a, as an engineer, um, then uh, um, do an engineering-focused um, training program. Um, which really focuses then on the combat engineering and the infrastructural engineering aspects of the Defence Forces. Um, that programme lasts about 15 months, so altogether you have about three years of training once you join, um, and, and thereafter you uh, are, a, a, I suppose, a fully qualified uh, combat engineer. You would, be, uh, you would spend time in a unit within the Defence Forces, and then that would culminate ultimately in an overseas mission where you essentially will lead the engineer team on the ground um, as part of a wider battalion team, um, you are the lead, you are the person who will make the impact in terms of the, the items we discussed earlier, um, you will be the one to make the difference. So it's all together, it's about a four to five year um, graduate programme, um, where as I said, you receive excellent leadership and management training, very focused, specific combat engineering um, skills, um, and that's culminated then in an overseas mission. Mm, fantastic. And, and obviously, for, for people that are wondering what is involved in, say, the cadetship aspect. It is a, it is the cadetship itself that the Army Engineer graduate candidate or successful candidate does. It's, it is the standard um, Army cadetship. So there, we have another podcast episode that kind of covers a lot of that that and, and what's involved in that. As regards the the academic side of the Young Officers course, that, that, that comes with the further qualifications as well. It does, yes. So the, um, the Young Officers course, the Young Engineer Officers course, um, um, uh, results in a level nine masters in, um, in in leadership and management in an engineering context, and um, but also throughout that program, um, that that young officers course, you um, you 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 learn a, a wide range of skills. So I suppose one thing that I was actually thinking about this morning before we we started this is that um, when you do your your engineering degree in college. Um, you really learn, you know, the principles of engineering and you really learn how to think like an engineer. Um, but those concepts are really stretched to their limit in, in, in the Defence Forces because you are asked to apply those principles of engineering and the, and the, those, the, the way of thinking like an engineer and, and apply it to many different engineering disciplines and very many different um, experiences and, uh, and, and applications. Um, so it's very wide ranging. So you will look at, you know, obviously, as I, as I mentioned earlier, everything from uh, power distribution and, and transmission to um, water and environmental issues to infrastructural elements. And it doesn't matter what your engineering discipline is, you will have to upskill in those. And you'll also have to upskill in, in, um, in combat principles. So um, as I said, a lot of work in explosives, explosives demolitions, uh, bridge building design, um, and also the, the project management skills, the leadership management skills, the HR skills. And, and a kind of a, a thing that is, is common across the Defence Force, which is that idea of just you have a, you have a mission to complete and, this, and you, will, you will complete, you'll find a way to do it. Absolutely. And as I said, working in that team environment um, collaboratively with other, with other engineers, with their own disciplines and also with your team of technicians. Fantastic. And as regards kind of the, the, 
so we've talked about the YO's qualifications, we've talked about kind of personal development, and, and what other kind of advantages would you say that taking on this programme would have for a graduate engineer? Okay, well, that's that's a really interesting question, actually, because I suppose uh, as a young as a young graduate engineer, you're looking at career opportunities, and you want to know what's going to be the uh, um, the most advantageous for you. So, um, I suppose we start with some of the obvious ones: the financial remuneration. Um, so, as a as a graduate engineer, if you join the Army Cadetship, the Army Engineering Cadetship, um, you will start off with um, a salary of approximately twenty thousand euro for the the seventeen months um, that you are um, on that, so twenty thousand euro a year. Now that does seem quite low, but it is essentially um, a training program and, a, and an internship. But as soon as you qualify, as soon as you finish the seventeen months, you immediately go on to an engineer salary within the defence forces, which is um, approximately fifty thousand euro. So your starting salary as an engineer in the defence forces is fifty thousand euro, and uh, for for those listening, you know you can compare that on Engineers Ireland um, salary survey. Um, and you can see that it is very comparable, in fact, more than comparable with, with what's outside for, for graduate engineers. So financially, it's quite attractive. Um, but most people, especially at that age, are not motivated by money. They're not motivated by, by, by that type of thing. What they're really motivated by is the um, career opportunities and the, um, the experiences and, and I suppose, the, the work that they're going to be doing. Um, and we've, we've touched on some of those already. So really exciting opportunities and, and a real opportunity to, to hone some leadership and management skills, which as a graduate engineer, you don't get outside this organisation. And a lot of young engineers don't realise how important those skills are until they're much further down the road in their career. So these are the type of skills that you get through the cadetship and through the Young Engineer Officers course, um, which are extremely transferable. They're extremely rare, so they're very valued. And also the types of skills that really can't be taught. You know, you have to, get, you have to absorb them um, tacitly through experience and through being challenged in certain ways. Um, and... Uh, they're the types of skills that won't be replaced by technology or AI in the future. So they will be become very, very, very valued skills. So I think that's an important one, a very, very valuable asset that you get from both the cadetship and the Young Engineer Officers course. Um, and then I suppose on maybe a more lighthearted um, side of it, it's, I suppose it's the lifestyle, it's the friendships that you make, it's the opportunity to travel, uh, either on long-term missions or short-term courses and, and, and seminars. Um, if you're into fitness, um, you know, there's gymnasiums in every barracks, your medical is covered, your dental is covered. Um, but I suppose for me, it's about the friendships you make and the bonds that you make with people. And really, the, for me, it was about the, and has always been about the range of experience that you get. So although I said at the beginning, I'm in the Defence Forces almost 25 years, but it feels like I've had three or four different jobs because of the range of experiences that you get along the way. Yeah, and like I, I can relate to personally having gone having gone from kind of like front uh, like line line officer roles up to up to the press role I do at the moment, and it's an interesting one to talk about those personal development skills because it, it kind of speaks to me that that whereas you get skills to become a great engineer, you can you can get them outside, but this gives you the skills to to basically be an engineer who leads other engineers who who, who is able to to bring people along and who is able who is able to have those interpersonal skills. Absolutely, yeah, and I think you know. In, in, in civil society, certainly, um, one of the big skills short shortages and, and the thing that's really valued and sought after is somebody that can manage teams. Because whilst there is a huge amount of individual expertise and technological expertise and engineering expertise, but actually bringing that expertise together in a collaborative way is very important. You know, new innovations, research, um, you know, advances in anything are, are, not, are generally not done um, individually. They're done in a collaborative way. They're done by teams. And having somebody that can manage those teams and bring the best out of people is a really uh, valuable skill. Yeah. yeah 
fantastic and and so and something that people don't necessarily always recognize and they don't you know because they're such soft skills exactly and the the, the soft those soft skills coupled with i suppose the hard engineering skills um are a very rare combination so they, they it, it's a great opportunity to try it and balance both fantastic and i suppose to move on into the actual course itself and say to to how the program works i mean we, we, we might we might move on to, to brian here and just ask so so how is the how is the program designed and how does it operate yeah, so as we've already discussed, we really focus on sort of a five-year program. And initially, the first 17 months is your initial cadetship, which, as we discussed, is exactly the same as any cadet entering the Defence Forces would do. But obviously, you know at the end of that program, you're going to join the Corps of Engineers. So again, we're looking at the development of military fundamentals, your leadership training, and development of you as an individual at that stage to become an officer in the Defence Forces. You then move on, and as Commandant McManus says, you're looking at your Young Officers course, what it would previously have been known as the Young Officer course, but is now known as your Master's in Military Engineering Management. And really, this program is 15 months in duration, and it covers all of your basic military engineering skills, plus your project management, energy management, and other areas of, of sort of infrastructural management within the Corps of Engineers. And really, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to build on the fundamental building blocks that you've learned in your cadetship in terms of your leadership, your development, and how do you lead engineering groups both at home in aid to the civil power or aid to the civil authority operations, which we'll discuss later, or alternatively on United Nations missions overseas. Following on from that then, you will be deployed to a unit in, in Ireland, and again, you'll gather more fundamental uh, leadership traits from leading operations on island here in Ireland. So it might be engineer specialist search missions, it might be development of infrastructural projects within a barracks, and then the final and sort of culminating point of the programme itself, which we would expect would happen sort of between year four and year five. And as Don will elaborate later on, it's coming a little bit quicker for him where he's coming up to the end of his fourth year within the programme and will now shortly deploy to Undoff in the Golan Heights in Syria is your overseas deployment with the United Nations, which really for all engineer officers and all officers in the Defence Forces is really a career highlight and really puts into practice everything that you've learned. And as Commandant McManus has said, you know, these are the skills and the traits that you can develop within the Defence Forces that you don't get outside in many engineering consultancies or within production facilities. And really it's a fundamental building block that you can then carry forward in your career within the Defence Forces. Or if at the end of your five years you decide to leave the Defence Forces, you now have a leadership skill set and a trait that you can take on and you know develop your own management role within external uh, organisations if that's the path you so choose at the end of the five years. Fantastic. I mean, and we've talked about all the things that make the program so attractive to people, and and all of the things that you can do. But we'll we'll be kind of realistic for a second as well that, that there is a particular type of person that this kind of thing, especially the cadetship itself, and 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 my experience, I, I have friends who've done the the engineer uh, young officers course, which is a very robust course in itself as well, and by the nature of the work, like joining the defence force isn't for everybody, but it's for a particular type of person. So, for example, if you join, you go, oh, this isn't for me. Like, is in is there is there a contractual obligation or that kind of thing? No, obviously you, you sign up for an initial period, but if at any stage you decide that the, the path that you're on is not for you, you can take a step back, you can leave the Defence Forces, or alternatively, if at the end of your cadetship you decide you know, you don't want to join the Corps of Engineers, or if, if at some point during your, your pathway within the Corps of Engineers you decide that you want to leave the organisation, that opportunity is still open to you. Again, we would ideally like that everybody would see out the five years, but we do have instances where people would join and for various reasons, personal, professional or otherwise, they decide to move on. And again, we would wish them well in their endeavours outside of the organisation, but ideally we would like people to stay for the full five years, gain the full gambit of experience, 
develop themselves, build themselves through the organisation, and then at the end of the five years, hopefully stay within the Defence Forces and the Corps of Engineers and further their careers in that manner. Fantastic. And, and I suppose with regarding, because I've just touched briefly on the Engineers Young Officers course, and we've talked a lot about what the engineer core does with mobility, counter-mobility, and survivability, etc. The YOs itself, what kind of topics are you covering? What are the highlights of the of the Young Officers course? Yeah, so I suppose in I've, I've previously said that I served as an instructor in the School of Military Engineering, and I would have run the first iteration of the Master's in Military Engineering Management in 2016-17. So I suppose building on what Commandant McManus has said, the first nine months is really focused on your combat engineering aspect of things. So again, we're teaching you about the fundamental building blocks and developing on from your or your cadetship initially. So again, you're leading teams in terms of building bridges, conducting explosive demolitions, engineer specialist search and clearance operations, which might be the likes of uh, clearing minefields in the Golan Heights in Syria, uh, clearing routes in Lebanon, or alternatively blowing up explosive remnants of war or counter uh, conventional munitions in the likes of uh, Liberia or Chad. And we, have, also, we have seen, sorry, but we have seen recently like large caches of Exposed remnants of war, saying places place like Syria. So people really do get to do those jobs overseas. Oh, absolutely. Well, so, yeah. and, and again, what we're trying to do is we're training you for all of the likely scenarios that you will face as an engineer platoon commander. And, a, and again, it's, it's really, there is no point in training you in aspects that you're not going to face. So again, we build on those blocks and it's very incremental and it's very decision focused. And again, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to put the engineer officer into a situation where they are going to have to make decisions and they're going to have to develop their leadership traits you will have to assess the mission that's been given to you. You'll have to uh, analyse what sort of task is responsible for, what assets you have available to you, what time constraints you have available to you, and then you have to come up with your plan, develop it, and manage it and lead it from start to finish. If we consider something like commanding a fire crew or developing that sort of role, it's not an everyday opportunity that other engineers get, but it's something that we must focus on because it's one of our primary tasks overseas. And again, the responsibility stands with the engineer officer. There's no one there to hold your hand. It has to be quite a pressurized situation and you have to develop quite quickly. But we believe that having come through a four-year engineering degree, having come through your cadetship and then being put in this position within the master's program, that you can develop and lead from there. Um, one of the, the highlights generally for, for a, 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 a student on the course is we do a module where we actually do a dry run of a camp construction overseas. So again, you're given a task where you're deployed to a, a sub-Saharan African country and you have to plan out where is your water purification system going to go, how are you going to plumb it, how are you going to manage it, where are your electrical services systems going to go, where are your camps, where are your accommodation units, all of these elements. And again, it's something that we have done for real, whether it's our deployments in Lebanon, in Chad, in Liberia. And again, the first people on the ground are the engineer officers that are managing these. And again, there is no one there, as Commander McMahon has said, you can't go to the nearest hardware store. You have to have it planned out. You have to have your decisions made well in advance. And you have to be able to lead your construction tradesmen to affect what you need to on the ground within a very short time frame and deliver it from that point of view. So that's really the first nine months of the program. The second six months then is more around your professional qualifications and your development as, a, as an engineer. So it's your project management qualifications, energy management qualifications, development of construction tender documentation, uh, fire safety, um, health and safety, and all areas of that which you will be responsible for if you're deployed in an infrastructure and maintenance company. And again, I suppose it's for the guys who are maybe coming from an electronic or an electrical or a mechanical engineering background, 
there is uh, quite a lot of development there in terms of their knowledge of civil engineering works, uh, technical guidance documents, building regulations, things like that. But again, generally within a pool of a, of a young officer's course or on the master's course, you will have six to eight students, all from various different backgrounds, and everybody brings their own um, both development from their college course, but also their own personal experiences to the table. And it can be a really well-rounded group then that are uh, working together to, to achieve um, the, the qualification at the end of the Masters. Fantastic. Like the course just sounds like it covers so much of, of the whole gamut of what an engineer could possibly ever be involved in. Um, yeah, but, but I suppose it, it, it sort of has to um, yeah. because if I consider my own overseas deployments, um, my first deployment was in 2014 to the Golan Heights and my original tasking was that I was going out as a, as a mine clearance officer, an engineer specialist search and clearance officer. Two weeks before we deployed, we were tasked with a completely separate mission, which was to go to camp construction. So again, we'd spent two months planning and preparing that we were going to go out as a mine clearance team, as an engineer specialist search and clearance team. And then suddenly, two weeks beforehand, we were told, no, you're now going to go and you're going to construct kitchens, you're going to construct accommodation units, you're going to be responsible for range reconstruction. And really, because we had the experience, both myself as an engineer officer and my, my tradesman that I had with me, and we had all these skill sets and we had a lot of experience prior to deployment, we were able to very quickly change our focus based on what we'd covered previously and our own personal experiences up to that point. So it really is the responsibility of the engineer officer and their team, and I suppose you as the leader of that team, to make sure that no matter what task is given to you, that you're in a position to meet that fully and, and, and achieve your mission. It, it really it really does sound like there's a, there's a huge amount of skill there to be an opportunity there for, for a person. Now, we spoke about, say, and like from my own experience of doing the cadetship, like as in, and I'm sure a lot of people have had people who've started a cadetship and gone, no, this isn't for me, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing the whole Defence Forces thing. Or you have people, you've mentioned the people who get to the end of, say, the cadetship and go, oh no, actually, I don't really want to do the engineering, I'd like to do something else, and there's, there's opportunities there. If during the Engineering Young Officers course you decide, nah, this isn't really something I want to do, like there, what, 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 where do you go from there? Or are there opportunities for you? Yeah, so um, yeah, key. If if people decide at some stage during the young officers course or during the masters that you know they don't want to pursue that element, and again, I suppose looking at the masters itself, it's not just solely about the professional qualifications. It's also about the development of the individual, developing their soft skills, developing their leadership potential, and and hopefully bringing them to a point where you know they've reached a, a very high level of leadership within the organisation. And again, that it's something that they can carry forward in their career, or alternatively bring it outside the defence forces. So I suppose the two main op- opportunities for them would be having completed a cadetship, they could revert to an infantry unit or a cavalry unit or an artillery unit, and again that would be supported by the Corps of Engineers if that was the decision of the individual. Or alternatively, they could leave the defence forces and again pursue an engineering uh, corps um, outside of um, the the defence forces and and go back into consultancy or production or whatever their background um, engineering qualification is from that point of view. So no, there wouldn't be anything tying the individual into the defence forces during the initial five-year period um, from that point of view. Okay, fantastic. Like, so... We've spoken about kind of the design of the program, and we spoke about the engineers in general. But but the fact, I mean, the fact of the matter is that it's a recent program, and that neither yourself, ma'am, or you, Brian, have, have actually completed the program. But our our third guest is uh, uh, Donald. You act, you actually have experience personally of of being on the program, Donald. Can you give us a kind of flavour of your experience? Hey, Kane, how are you doing? Yeah. So as I, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, uh, I'm currently at the end of the the graduate program. Uh, as Brian says, it's a four to five year. Uh, program in total so what that means is 
I've developed kind of a skills at a basic level in the cadetship. Uh, I've honed those skills uh, specifically in an engineer sense in the engineering YOs or the young officers program. Uh, and I'll now go uh, overseas to, to apply all those skills that I've learned. Uh, it's a challenge I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to, to UNDOF in Syria, a UN mission. Um, I've gone over to, with a, uh, a team, uh, you know, a broad spectrum of uh, tradesmen. Um, and both Brian and, and Commandant McManus, they've uh, described and summarized the process very uh, accurately. They've given a good insight into all the aspects there. Um, I suppose in, in terms of um, kind of my interest as an engineer, it's, it's always something someone asked me, you know, you did engineering in college, why did you join the army? They don't always put those two things together. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always say to them, it's something I've always been, been drawn to, a career uh, in the Defence Forces, specifically as an engineer, having studied um, engineering in college. Uh, the reason why I chose uh, this career, uh, I suppose it's the unique environment uh, that you're involved in day to day, um, you know, it's that unique problem solving um, aspect that you have to apply in a demanding uh, situations. Yeah, and and like, did you have an interest in joining the defence forces before you knew about the engineer graduate program, or like, where did you come across the program? Or, well, I would have always had an interest uh, in joining uh, the defence forces, and I, I would have tried to join a number of times. Um, I was successful then. As, as it turned out, once I completed uh, engineering in college, and luckily enough, the Army Engineer Graduate Program uh, presented itself, so I, I definitely jumped at that opportunity. Fantastic. So, and so, as regards, and as I said, as I said earlier, we do have a, an episode on the Army Cadetship in itself. But can you give us a, just a, a flavor of your experience during that process? I mean, you obviously had an interest previously, and you've an interest in kind of that ro- kind of robust outdoors, kind of physically, kind of stuff. But give give us a breakdown of your own experience on it. Yeah, so as people may know from listening to the, the previous podcast, it's, it's four broad phases uh, across 15 months um, and it's to develop you as a leader um, uh, within the Defence Forces, uh, broadly speaking, uh, on, a, on, a, on a basic level we'll call it, before going on to your specific YOs, whatever uh, stream you choose. In my example, uh, the Engineer Corps. So like at all stages, it was difficult and challenging. What the Army do is they they kind of build, no matter who you are or where you come from, they kind of build you up to a particular level uh, that allows you to lead uh, other people. The, the main highlights for me, uh, just speaking personally, I suppose uh, I kind of reached new levels of fitness, kind of new depths that I, I never thought I could have reached before. Like you think you're fit coming into the army, but you're not really, you know, that kind of way. Um, I would have learned a broad range of, of military skills. Um, other highlights then include... Um, the opportunity to take part in competitions both at home and abroad, whether that be shooting competitions, uh, etc., and also been involved in adventure sports. Um, I suppose mainly development personally really is, is the crux of it. Um, and I always struggle to think of, of any other job where you'd be challenged uh, and developed um, both side by side. And and, um, and this sets you up really, the cadetship is a really good grounding that sets you up uh, to enter the next stage of, of the graduate program, which is the young officers course, then. And what what was your experience of the young officers course then? Donald? Like was it was it a more different atmosphere? Was it still pressurized? There was was it? Yeah, so it's slightly different from the cadetship in that you've you've completed your we'll call it basic leadership training. I suppose just to to summarize it uh, succinctly, with with the young officers course, you're you're working with a with a much smaller group. Uh, as Brian mentioned earlier on, 
uh, you're working with a small group of people who are engineers and those engineers come from different strands be electronic mechanical uh, civil structural etc uh, they're obviously all engineer graduates and the program kind of uh, it focuses specifically um on your engineering you know military engineering skills so it's still intense in that regard but in a positive sense um you I mean you're working with some really good instructors uh, who pass on both their experience and their knowledge to, to each student. Um, one thing that struck me really, both on the, the Young Officers Program, uh, or sorry, the Young Officers Course, and then having completed that uh, and moved on to the Union, was the, the variety of work that you're involved in. And I know Brian and Commandant McManus uh, mentioned this, uh, but it's really the, the variety of the work and also the extent to which you're involved in in, in many different projects. Uh, I know it's been mentioned, but some of the the more interesting well everything's interesting on the program but some of the some of the things i enjoyed would have been the explosives um the demolitions aspect um the search course so that's the engineering specialist search and clearance course um on the, the young officers course so that would have a, you know that allows you to to conduct high risk searches both on islands and abroad as well uh, you're also studying things like mine warfare construction of routes and buildings uh, for the first part of the young officers course and following this then you move on to to other tangible skills uh, project management contract work health and safety infrastructure upgrades uh, and inspections as well and i know that sounds like a lot but really uh, i suppose we'll talk about the recent and the ongoing covid 19 pandemic that really showed the value of the army engineer you know having received a good solid grounding at a basic level um you know, I was I was supposed in my elements um, and lucky enough to be involved in some of the, the jobs or the tasks during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which included work in City West, uh, the RDS and the Aviva as well. And I know from when we speak about the YOs itself, from speaking with more senior officers, there was always a common theme in, in asking asking them about their experience. And it was kind of you know, hard work. Um, reward from hard work um, in, in a team-centred environment. So that's something that uh, I definitely took from it. As, as regards, and I suppose this is kind of a question as well that, that for everybody, just, so you mentioned there, Donald, the, the work that you've done as a, as a military engineer during COVID-19, but there's a number of tasks as well that the Corps that does with, say, Ungarishi Kona and, and does on a, on a regular basis as well. Correct, yeah. So as I mentioned, the, the number of tasks we completed, it would have been... Uh, the installation and upgrade of facilities uh, to allow for testing and vaccination centres that, that would have been a, a key thing but also then on the other side of it uh, we'd work regularly with Angarda Shikana and other state agencies uh, on on, uh, on island engineering specialist search and clearance work um, all around the country um, the, I suppose the main skills that you kind of take from the programme um, you know you're, you're looking at you, you wear several different hats, I suppose. You know, you have the ability to lead a search team. Um, you're managing projects, which include kind of sustainability, energy management. But then at the same time, you're you're involved in work with, uh, you know, explosive demolitions, battle simulations, particularly in preparation for overseas deployments. And then day-to-day -day, uh, unit experience, we'll call it, so military administration. and working closely with tradesmen, uh, who have kind of a wide spectrum of trades and an appreciation for those trades as well. 
has to, like, uh, like again, everything that I'm hearing is, is speaking to the wide variety of stuff within the actual program itself that you can do and wide variety of opportunities. And it's also, it's a nice one as well that kind of, by sheer chance on the, we have on, on, on the program in, in the form of yourself done, like someone that is on the eve of going on their very first experience overseas. So like, how, how is that knocking around your brain? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, well, it's, it's been a long time coming. It's something I've always uh, looked forward to and I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, Keen, it's obviously my first trip, as I've said, um, uh, but myself and other colleagues would have worked hard to get to this point as well. I suppose the defence forces would have, you know, invested a lot of their time and resources into training an engineer officer. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting out there and, uh, and getting the job done, working with my my own team. Uh, as I said, they have uh, a wide range of, of trades, country electricians, plumbers, uh, aircon technicians, uh, construction plant fitter. So, you know, I'm looking forward to leading that team and uh, getting the best out of those guys. And also, on the other hand, learning from them, you know, the learning doesn't stop. I know it's a, it's a kind of a cliche, but the learning doesn't stop in these environments. It's just another challenge, um, the overseas aspect of things. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it, as I say. Fantastic. And I know all of us would probably agree that overseas, just from the perspective of having a platoon overseas, is a real formative experience for a young officer, regardless of your core. So, so best of luck with that. I'm sure you're going to really have a, have a have an excellent experience and once you come home then Donald what, what, you're kind of coming to the end of the programme so where does it kind of go from there? Yeah so i definitely be looking to, to take a break anyway when I come back yeah, and I look forward to spending time with the family but uh, look when I come back in terms of career wise all going well um, I look to be promoted to the next rank which is captain uh, in the new year and again continue to uh, build uh, on my experience um, in the unit so you've seen how busy we've been during the year. I've, I've touched on some of the jobs that my own unit have been involved in, um, in the in the core in the Dublin and wider Leinster area as well. Um, so I'd like to build on that. Hopefully, uh, the COVID pandemic kind of uh, kind of eases by the time we get back, and we can get back to to training uh, and developing our, our own personnel and the unit and get back to normal then. Um, just as well as that, uh, I'll have to, at some point uh, over the next couple of years, I'll have the opportunity to undergo, I suppose, what can be best described as uh, executive level training, for want of a better word, which is the, the land component command and staff course. That will allow for further promotion down the line as well. I suppose uh, closer to home then as well, there's opportunities uh, for further education. And one good thing about the Corps of Engineers, the great thing is that uh, there's always uh, a focus uh, and a push for continuing professional development. So there will be an opportunity to, to complete postgraduate diplomas. And I know off the top of my head, some of those diplomas include uh, conservation, uh, fire engineering, uh, protection, sustainability, contract law. Um, and I hope at some point get overseas then, uh, again uh, in the near future as well. I, I might just touch on something Donald has mentioned there about the continuing yeah. professional development keen so again as Donald says it's something that we really value within the Corps of Engineers and we're an accredited employer with uh, Engineers Ireland so again approximately 80% of our members would be chartered engineers and again it's something that we really value in terms of pushing um, new graduates in like Donald to proceed on to become chartered engineer and we think it's very important for their professional development. As Donald says, obviously you have the opportunity both in terms of within the Defence Forces, your executive training to go on and get further uh, qualifications at, at uh, level nine and higher. But also, again, then we fund a number of master's programmes within the Defence Forces Corps of Engineers. So sustainable energy, um, 
fire safety, contract law, uh, conservation. And then we also develop opportunities for personnel to serve overseas with other militaries. We've had personnel who've undertaken courses with the British Army, the UK Fire Service. Personnel would have gone to Germany to the NATO school in Oberammergau. As Commandant McManus says, she had served in Brussels with the European Defence Agency. We're in a number of European Defence Agency working groups in terms of energy and other elements in terms of environmental planning. So it's not just that your professional development stops at the end of your five years, at the end of the graduate programme. If you stay in the Defence Forces, there's a range of opportunities within the Corps of Engineers for you personally to develop and go on and further your career. Within the Defence Forces, or alternatively to develop your soft skills, your qualifications, your background and your knowledge. And then if further down the line you decide to leave the Defence Forces, you have a much better footing and a much better ability to hopefully step into a high-level management position within an engineering consultancy or alternatively the likes of a management consultancy uh, firm at that stage. So it's a con- it's a constantly developing sort of a profession, basically being a military. Yeah, well, I, I think all professions you would expect that that there would be an element of continuous professional development, but it's something that we really value within the core of engineers, and I think it's really why I suppose the program has such a success is that we try and develop these soft skills within the individuals, give them the background, the knowledge, and the capabilities to further their own career and develop themselves. Fantastic, and I suppose so. The practical thing now to 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 add is, how does somebody go about actually be getting on this program? Well, there's there's um I suppose the the main way will be when the um, engineering cadetship and the um the the, the army cadetships, the defence forces cadetships, shall we say, are um advertised in the coming months. So um, we don't have an exact date for that, but mm-hmm. it will be coming quite soon. Um, so to keep an eye out for that. Also, military.ie is your first port of call for all information regarding the defence forces. So to be able to um to to log on there and and to keep an eye out and, and to, to sign up for alerts. And to typically to typically just just say to people out there as well that typically the cadetships will go live around the springtime. So we're we're currently recording this particular episode in March. Um, so so it's usually around the springtime when they do go live. Just so, for for people out there. Sorry, 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 ma'am. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, also, uh, you know, and and you, you've touched on it a couple of times during this podcast about. Uh, I think you mentioned maybe the type of person that joins the army or or the defence forces, and I suppose you know just to to really make it clear that um I mean there's no type of person let's say you know there's there's people who might be automatically or might have some um, allegiances or, or familiarity with the defense forces who may be more inclined to apply for these courses um be it the cadetship any of the cadetships but um maybe just to say that to anybody that's listening to this that you know really the things that you need to join the defense forces in general is um I suppose enthusiasm a work ethic and and an ability or a, a desire to work in a team uh, and if you have those three things, the army will give you everything else. Um, and, you know, we will do, we will, we will work on the rest of it for you. So for our, anyone who's interested in the army engineer graduate program, um, obviously you will have your, your, your engineering qualification. Um, but if any of this piques your interest, don't think that this is not for you for any particular reason. Apply. Let's see. We, we'll decide. Um, and, and if you do, if you are successful, if you are one of the, the successful candidates, um, we will ensure that we will bring you along the way. So don't worry about anything like that. Just if you have an interest in this, apply. And, and if you want to learn more about what we do on a day-to-day basis, we have two social media sites. Um, our Twitter handle is at DF underscore engineers. And again, gives a good flavor of what we do. We try and get up two social media posts a week in terms of what's going on within the core. So as Donald said, it might be construction of a testing facility in the Aviva Stadium or construction of a field hospital out in City West, all the way out to specialist search and clearance operations in Undoff on a daily basis. And similarly then, our Instagram handle is at df underscore core of engineers. And again, 
we're more than willing to take um, direct messages or private messages from personnel or people that might be interested in the program if they want to find out more information and we can certainly put you in touch with either some of the recent graduates or alternatively people who are currently going through the program and you might be able to uh, pique your interest and develop your, your, your uh, knowledge from there. So at the end of that, um, thanks very much for coming on to the show. I think you've given a really excellent overview of the program. So thanks very much, everybody, for, for taking the time. Thanks very much, Keen. It was a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, thanks very much, Keen. It's great to be able to get the message out. Thanks very much, Keen. It was great speaking with you today. Wonderful. Thanks. And, and, and hopefully we'll see a large upswing of, of, of applicants for the, for the program. Uh, for a more in-depth look at the process of applying for a cadetship in the Army, check out our earlier episode on the Army Cadetship, which is available on all our uh, podcast channels. For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces podcast will be back soon with new episodes. And until then, thanks very much for listening and stay safe.